Well, isn't God good? Father, we just open our hearts to you. Right now, we're going to open your word, and we thank you that as we do, you meet us there. Holy Spirit, you reveal your intention and your inspiration in it, because we know that you wrote this word. You know exactly what you meant. And so we ask that you stir up on the inside of us a desire for more, more relationship with you. Oh, we just thank you for your goodness. Holy Spirit, we know that you've already been doing a work in us. And we say, continue, Lord. Yes, continue, Lord. I open my heart. And I lift up my eyes to you. You are amazing, God. There is no one else who can satisfy the longings of my heart. Oh, yes, you are amazing God so we thank you and we receive from you right now we come boldly before your throne and we just fellowship in your grace and love right now in Jesus name amen and amen well thank you Toph how's everyone doing this morning Let's try that again. How's everyone doing this morning? If you can't be excited and have fun in church, where can you do it? Hallelujah. The God of all freedom and liberty, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Well, for the month of January and February, we've been talking about the name of Jesus. And as I said when we started this, I was only anticipating on going like one or two weeks with this, and now we've made it all through two months for the most part on this subject. And last week we were trying to segue out of it, <laughs> and that's my intention as we start each week, but the Holy Spirit's just been taking hold, taking over, and here's what my, I want you to do. When you come, I want you to sit on the edge of your seat and say, God, you know what I need. I come to receive. Amen. You know, we, our attitude depends how we receive from God. If you come in with a humdrum attitude, you know, been there, done that, do it all the time, you, you get to choose your attitude. You get to choose your expectations. You know, I was thinking this week on this story of a, of a person that I really admire, and she was uh, mentioning that, and I was in the same class as her, like I took the same class. It was our eschatology class when we were in at uh, Bible school. And the guy who taught it was a wonderful gentleman. He was a retired SR-71 pilot, highest flying, fastest flying jet out there, still is. And uh, he had retired from that, wonderful man, but my goodness, was he boring. <laughs> and he was a very monotone speaker. And then every once in a while, his voice would slur up like he was drunk or something, you know? And you'd come into his class and he was such a wealth of information but everybody basically just did this and I remember her telling us that that uh, 
when she was in that class, everybody was doing the same thing. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, you can get just as much out of this message as all those ones where everybody's all shouting and high-fiving each other and running around the room. I'm the same Holy Spirit that wrote this topic as the other one. And so what she started doing is she started just praying under her breath while, while he was preaching, just praying in the Spirit. And she said, it's amazing. The subject he was teaching just began to come alive to her. And she was just like, I couldn't, it became her favorite class to go to. And she's like, this is just awesome. How, how can you not be interested in this? And she said that one time, it, she just got so excited that she jumped up in the middle of the class and went, hallelujah! And everybody just kind of like <laughs> awoken from their slumber and was like, what's your problem? I say that to say that when we come to, whether it's a, me a meeting here, a meeting, wherever you go, your expectation determines whether you've come to receive or you've come to listen. You know those two things are not the same thing? When we come to receive, Holy Spirit takes hold with us. And you begin to get things that we're not even talking about. He begins to just minister to your heart in an area that you need. He begins to pull me in directions that I wasn't planning on going so that he can get to you what has been in his heart to get to you. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you that we've come for you. We didn't come for a message. We came for you. And we thank you for that. Well, let's jump back into Acts chapter 3. It says, Now Peter and John went up together at the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. And so as we told you last week, we find out later in the next chapter that this man was over 40 years old, and he's been lame since birth. So this is not a new development. This is something that has had no change in 40 years. God can take your stiff, stuck parts of your life and get them moving again. Isn't that good to know? That something that you've been stuck in your entire life, He can shift in a moment. Oh, God's just so good. And He went there to ask for alms of those who entered the temple. And who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us! And so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up! And with those words, this man's entire life was just rocked. It was transformed. I want to ask you a question. Who initiated this? You notice the man was doing the same thing he'd done every day? No change? When a man named Peter and a man named John walked onto the scene. How many people have been doing their same thing for all their life and have been waiting for a man named Garnet and a man named Rob, man named Tristan, woman named Robin? How many 
situations right now in this world exist that are waiting for you to enter the scene. I'll pick on John. <laughs> John was telling me before the service, because we were, we were having a good conversation after church last week. I was just ministering from the Holy Spirit to him, and then he came and told me this morning, he's like, he was at a gas station, and, a, and he noticed a man changing a tire, and he went to go buy him, and he went into the grocery store, to, or into the gas station to get a go- coffee, and what did God say to you, John? Go back and help that man. How many situations is God waiting for us to show up onto the scene that already exist right now? Oh, come on. When you say that, it does two things in you. It either inspires excitement or inspires fear. (laughs) Or both. (laughs) But there are situations that exist right now for the miraculous in your life. And oftentimes we can take the Bible and let it be this story that we read, this thing that we heard about. But the thing I like about this book of Acts, it's not the Acts of the Apostles, It's the acts of the church. Philip wasn't an apostle, but he did the miraculous. He changed Samaria. He had daughters that prophesied. We have Agabus the prophet. He wasn't an apostle. These aren't the acts of the apostles. This is a book that has not stopped being written, even to this day, and it's waiting for the chapter of Garnet. It's waiting for the chapter of Doug. It's waiting for the stories that are still being written because of you stepping out in faith. And so Peter said, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his bones received strength. And so he leaping up stood and walked and entered to the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all of the people saw him walking and leaping and praising God. And the whole environment of that temple was changed that day. They came to hear a dead sermon with no life. They came to hear the types of messages that had left that man for 40 years in that condition and one moment of faith opened up an opportunity for 5,000 people to give their hearts to Jesus. The same God in, alive in this situation is the same God alive in you. The same God whose name was spoken at that moment and faith was engaged with is alive in you right now and in the situations of your life. And so we started to focus on Peter last week and we're going to go right back to him because we've been telling you since December that everything changed between the cross and the throne. And this is clearly seen in Peter because everything changed in him from Jesus going to the cross and ascending to the throne. 
It's one of the most clearest examples that we can see. Just a few days before this, Peter was in hiding. Just a few days before that, Peter was denying. I'm not the one who follows him. But what happened in Peter? Jesus went to the cross. He went to the grave. He went to heaven, and he sent the Holy Spirit to come and live on the inside of him. And a radical transformation takes place in this man named Peter, who goes from coward to the man saying, get up and walk in Jesus' name. I love, I was telling you last week, I love the forceful imagery of the word that's used there. It says he took him by the hand. It wasn't that he just gently, okay, we're going to help you to your foot feet now, sir. <laughs> sir, if you could just, you know, put a little bit of pressure down. We're going we're gonna to, now, okay, yep, yep, come on, you got to work with me here. You got to work with me here, sir. Come on, just, just a little bit more. Oh, you can do it. I know God's putting power in your legs right now. Come on, sir, you can do it. No, that's not what the imagery of the word is. The word there means to grab hold of in order to imprison. There was a forcefulness behind that word. It pulled him up. Peter wasn't waiting for something to happen. He wasn't waiting to see something to indicate, okay, now I should help this man up. We need to stop waiting for our feelings and our senses to tell us something has happened and start putting our faith and our action behind what we believe in Christ Jesus. And so everything changed in Peter from the cross to the throne. He's now got Jesus living on the inside of them. On the, in the upper room, the Holy Spirit came and filled them up with power. And they went out from that room and thing just began to snowball after snowball that took the name of Jesus and his gospel around the world so that 2,020 years later, we can be sitting in a room here in Smith Falls, Ontario, Canada, magnifying the name of Jesus because something happened inside a man and it was Jesus getting inside and filling him up to the overflow and the same Jesus that's in Peter is in you. Hallelujah. So everything changed. And when we say that, we don't mean to make it a nice story. We mean let there be some change in you. But I haven't moved in 40 years, Pastor Jordan. Well, the Holy Spirit will get you moving. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, this message is already off the rails. <laughs> Everything changed in those few short days so that Peter could accomplish something in that man that couldn't be done in 40 years. Let me just go ahead and say this. Your timelines are not important to God. He doesn't care how long or even how much it's going to disrupt your day or disrupt your message. He doesn't care about your timelines. He sees the life that he wants to see come alive in you and through you and to those around you. Yes. 
And so Peter is radically changed. And in those few short days between him hiding and him now standing up in the very place that all the people he was hiding from come daily. You realize that? They were hiding from the priests, the Sadducees, and the Pharisees because they had delivered Jesus up to be crucified. And now Peter and John are in the very place that you probably don't want to go if you're avoiding those people. He'll change your perspective. Hallelujah. The messages that Jesus had been speaking to them for three and a half years are coming alive in Peter. They're coming alive in John. The things that they thought were stories and were good and it's good to see Jesus doing them, now they're doing them. And it all started back when Jesus sent out the 70, two by two. So basically there was 35 groups of two. He sent them out and he tells them, God will provide for you. So speak peace and heal the sick. Did Jesus go with them? No, he sent them. You know who else he sent? You. And when they came back, it says they returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. He didn't tell them to cast out the demons. I just believe they got out there and started laying hands on the sick, speaking peace to people, and then they're saying, well, what else can we do in his name? And Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And this has been really strong on me in this whole week since I said this last week. God, it wasn't like lightning. We get the idea of lightning. It's powerful and it's fast. And when it hits things, they explode and they change. You realize it wasn't like lightning because God had to use a lot of power to remove Satan. It was like lightning because Satan had an inability to resist even the slightest flick of God's fingers. He went at the very thought of God wanting him no longer there in heaven. Now, if that happened when God wanted it, how much more that same power now in you? And he said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and on scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You notice that him saying, I give you authority, came after they'd already gone, done, and came back? Do you want to know why? Jesus was giving them the ability to initiate. Up until this point, they had been sent. But now he's giving them the authority to choose the mission field. So many of us are waiting for God to say, go and do. How many times is God waiting for you to say, hey God, how can, how can you use me today? I see this man here. L let's do something about this. 
That, when I saw that this week, man, just think about that. They'd already done, gone, done, came back with joy, and now he says, I give you authority. He was giving them the ability to get out there and choose the mission field. So we're talking about the authority of the believer. This subject goes hand in hand with the name of Jesus. You don't find them separate because you can't walk in your authority that God has given you apart from the name of Jesus. Because the very thing about authority is that it's delegated power. It doesn't operate because you are something. It operates because he is something and he's given you the ability to use it. The definition of the word that they use there for authority is exousia, which means power of authority or influence and of right or privilege. You know, we get a, we get a lot of things in the news about, you know, oh, it's just white privilege at work or it's rich privilege. How about we start talking about son of God privilege, daughter of God privilege, because he doesn't have a problem with you being privileged in that area. Because you are his son, because you are his daughter, he's given you the authority to influence situations around you. So let your heart be led. As Jesus was moved with compassion, so much more us, his children, let us be moved with compassion to those around us to exert our authority and our influence and our right as sons and daughters of Almighty God. The power that was delegated to you to influence situation because of your right as a child of God is greater than all the power of the enemy. Let's say it again. The power delegated to you to influence situations because of your right as a child of God is greater than all the power of the enemy. And so I said, when we talk about these things, it produces two feelings, either excitement or fear. If fear is what you continually feel at the idea of having to lay hands on the sick, we need to go back and remind ourselves of the authority that's been given to us by God himself. Because whose power has been delegated to you? His. You want to know why? Because yours wasn't good enough. Your strength wasn't enough. He knew that, so he gave you his. And so when he asks you to lay hands on the sick, he's not asking you to heal them. He's asking you to let him heal them through you. When he's asking you to raise the dead, he knows that's outside of the scope of your ability. And so it forces you to rely on his Now, I, I was uh, in a meeting a few weeks ago, and there was a, a woman that was ministering, and she was telling us a story that I had heard through other people, but she was actually the one that was there. And they were in this meeting, and this woman had a baby with her that had been sick for a, long, a while, and the baby passed away during the service, dead. And she, she knew that the baby had been sick. They'd seen the doctor. The doctors couldn't do anything. The baby died, and she just walked up, and set the baby on the pulpit and stood back. It's like, there's nothing we can do. And this woman, she was over here on the front row and she just got up and was like, we speak life to this baby. 
Now, I have to let you know, there was a lot of other ministers there that morning, and she wasn't even the one running the meeting, but something on the inside of her said, I've got that life, why don't we use it? And spoke life to that baby and raised it from the dead. God's power has been delegated to you to use as his sons and daughters. We need to let the shame and our feeling of our weakness fall to the side. He didn't ask to use your strength. He asked to use his. You to use his. So we were preaching out of Mark 16 for the last month and a half. And he says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, and they will speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they'll lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And so it's been awesome what we've said about this verses up until this point, but there's something now with moving on that we need to address. This conversation started differently in the book of Matthew. Do you want to know how it starts? It goes like this. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we hear what he said in Mark. You know, I think it's interesting that they all remembered slightly different things and different focuses. You realize that Matthew and Mark were writing to two different audiences? Matthew was writing to the Jews. Mark was writing to the Romans. Mark is a very much an action book because the Romans are very much into action you know, the Colosseums, the gladiators. It's a very action book. Matthew is written to the Jews. And it's very intellectual in it. And he wants them to know that God left them his authority. Why? Because Jews are very much wanting to do it in their own strength. But just as much as you, they need to let go of their strength and take up his because it's not by our strength or by our power says the Lord but by his spirit and so he says all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth go therefore and one of the questions I've gotten in the past he says well it says that he has all authority and all power but you know that by precedent they knew what he meant when he said it. He already has done it with the 70, where he sent them out, and then he came back to them and said, I give you my authority. But you know, he also was more specific with the disciples. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, he says, and when they, he had called his 12 disciples to him, they get, he gave them power, and that word is not power, it's not dunamis, it's exousia, it's a mistranslation. That is the word for authority. He says, I give you authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of diseases and sickness and all kinds of diseases. And then he says this. It's weird that he puts this in here. 
Now, the, the names of the 12 apostles are first Simon and Peter and Andrew and James and the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labius, and whose name, surname was Thaddeus, and Simon, the Can Canaanite, and then Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. And as I was reading, like, why, God, why do we need to know their names again, God? He wants you to know that just as much as Peter could use this, so could Judas. Think about that for a second. Judas is right there when he gave them authority. Who went out and did the same works as Peter and John? Judas did. Even though he was going to betray Jesus. Think about that. Jesus knew. At the, at the Last Supper, he turned to Judas and said, hey, Go and do what's been in your heart to do. I know that Jesus knew what Judas was going to do. But you know that didn't stop him from empowering Judas to still walk in the things that he had? We often like to look at the things that we've done in our lives to disqualify ourselves. Jesus either took all sin on his back or none at all. Because the word that he uses in the Greek is all. <laughs> and just as much as he bore Judas's, he bore every one of your imperfections as well. And if it didn't disqualify Judas, it doesn't disqualify you. Hallelujah. And these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them saying, don't go by the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter into the city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely as you have received, freely give. I like that. That's, that's quite an awesome list. Is it not? Heal the sick? Cleanse the leper? Most people want to avoid the lepers. You know, there was a guy we were listening to a bunch of years ago, and he went into Mexico, and he was in this back, uh, back, backwoods town, and he, they brought him into the little church where he was going to be ministering, and he said there was a guy sitting there who basically just like a, looked like a pot of jelly. His skin was losing all elasticity, and he was just falling to pieces. And the, he's like, what's up with this dude? And he's like, he's got leprosy, and we brought him here for you to heal him. And he was like, I don't want to touch that. <laughs> and I'm glad he said that, because sometimes we look at the, the way things go, and they're like, oh, yes, they don't think unholy thoughts like that. And he's like, I don't want to touch that. It looks disgusting. And he said, he's like, but, he's like, I don't see this any different than someone with a sore leg. And he just put his hand on, he said his hand sunk in. <laughs> and he just said, I speak to this body in the name of Jesus, be whole, be cleansed. And he said, just right there before his eyes, his skin just began to, <laughs> fingers began to come back. <laughs> he was not, not any different than you. He was just somebody who believed what God had said about them. He goes on, he says, provide neither gold, silver, or copper for your money belts, nor a bag for your journey, nor two tunics or sandals or staffs 
for a worker is worthy of his food. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speaks, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. One of the things I've encountered a lot of people like, well, I just don't know what to say. I just don't know what to do. You realize that when you step out in faith, you'll know. You just do. You just be like, okay, God, there's a situation. I'm going to jump in. Catch me. He said, don't worry about what you're going to speak, for your Father knows. Let's see that at work here in Peter. And so we have him dramatic, the dramatic story in Acts chapter 3. The man is raised up. He goes walking and leaping and praising God. Everybody's like, what's going on? And Peter tells him, it's through the name of Jesus that this has been done to him. But that's not where the story ends. In the next chapter, verse 1, it says, Now as they spoke the people to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, and being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead, they laid hands on them. This is the same laid hands of as Peter took hold and said, Get up! Now this is them grabbing Peter and John like, You're coming with us! <laughs> Taking them off to prison. Thanks, Garnet. <laughs> and he, they put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. That's just the men. What about the women and the children that were there? Hallelujah. What about... The shockwaves that happen when we step out and do something small. We don't know where it ends. Think about this. Lack of resistance isn't an indicator of being in the will of God. You know, we can often think that, oh yeah, when it, everything lines up, then I know everything's just as it's supposed to be. That tells me more that the enemy doesn't see you as a threat if everything continually always goes good for you. It came to pass, though, the next day that the rulers and the elders and the scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. Let's just think about this for a second. This is the very list of people that Peter was trying to avoid a few days ago. So if he was wanting to avoid them, all of that fear is gone now. And as when they had set them in the midst, they asked them, by what power or by what name have you done this? They're asking the wrong question. They said, by what dunamis? What power have you done this? What power have you done this? They were asking Peter and John about their strength. Think about that. When people look at you, they see you. When God looks at you, he sees himself. Whose eyes are we looking with? 
And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers. Now, hold on a second. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit? What did Jesus tell them? You don't have to worry about what you're going to say. The words that you're going to speak are going to come from the Holy Spirit. So when the, whole, when the priests asked them, what, where'd you guys get this power? The Holy Spirit begins to speak through them. It says, if this day we are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means has he been made well? Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, oh, he's stirring the pot now, <laughs> whom God raised from the dead, and by this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders which has become the chief cornerstone, and nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among which by, my, by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, think about this, they asked them what power they do this. We know what Peter's, pow or, yeah, Peter's power looks like. It looks like hiding. But what they began to recognize is the authority that had been given to them. It gave Peter boldness. And they perceived that they were uneducated, untrained, and they marveled. And they realized they had been with Jesus. Jesus is right here in you if you've received him. Have you been with him lately? Because he takes untrained, uneducated, powerless, cowardly, timid, insert your descriptor, and he gives them boldness which means no one is disqualified. But Pastor Jordan, I want to wrap up with this. If this is how it is, wouldn't Jesus have told us more specifically? Well, I'm pretty sure he already told the disciples. He told the 70. And then at the end, he gave a blanket description. I, I got all authority. Now go, take it, go. But there's a great story that Jesus tells in Mark 13. Verse 31, he says this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you don't know what, when the time is. And this is what he tells us about the age that we live in. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants. Okay, let's say that again. This is what Jesus says to describe the time that you live in. It's like a man 
who went to a far country, who left his house and gave authority to his servants. He told the servants, run the house. He gave them power to operate it, to run the businesses, to keep the house functioning, to use its resources. It's like a man who left his servants in charge of the house. Where did he go? He ascended up into heaven. Who did he leave behind? You. Use the resources. And he commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you don't know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the crowning of the rooster, or in the morning, lest suddenly he coming suddenly, he finds you sleeping. This message this morning is saying, wake up! It's not about the job you work. It's not about the nine to five that you work. We all have jobs to do. But God is wanting to release a mission in you for this earth in this time. Who's he going to use? You. He's not going to send Jesus to do it again. And he says, when he comes back, is he going to find some sleeping? So Jesus says to them, what I say to you and I say to all, watch. You know what that word watch means? It means be active and at work. Be active and at work. How? He's given you his authority. He's delegated it to you for use. Last time I checked, when a speeder flies by a police officer, he doesn't say, well, I, I think I better wait until the chief of police tells me to chase him down. <laughs> no, he's been given the authority that the law has granted him. They broke the law, chase them down. You've been given the authority, delegated power from God. If you see something that's not his will for his children, step into the situation. Don't wait for the green light. You've already got it. Why don't you stand to your feet? Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. We thank you for the power that you've given to us as your sons and daughters. We're not waiting on somebody else to come on the scene. We say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Here are my hands. Here are my feet. Here's my voice. We say, use me. We make ourselves willing. We make ourselves available. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Well, maybe you've been watching us this morning via the internet and you haven't even made Jesus the Lord of your life. He doesn't need you to jump through any hoops. He just wants you to stop and say, I receive you. And so we'd love to pray with you right now. So come on, church, let's do that. Jesus, I invite you into my life. I believe that God raised you from the dead. I open the doors of my heart. And I invite you to come in. I thank you for all that you bring with you. And I thank you for the new start I have today. 
you prayed that prayer with us for the first time, we would love for you to get in contact with us. We'd love to get some resources into your hands and get you hooked up with a good church in your area. But guys, come on. I'm saying wake up. Not because it's something that's going to be hard for you to do. I want you to wake up to understanding how easy it is for you to do. It's in your nature and there's more power in you than will ever be against you. You guys are blessed. Let's have some coffee and good conversation.